reach your peak with Ascend Coffee Roasters, known for their dark roasts and their cold brew refill packs. Ascend Roasters is a woman-owned and operated company that wants you to work coffee into your self-care routine. Go to AscendRoasters.com to buy coffee and learn more. Any questions before we get started today? I don't think so. This is my first time doing a podcast, so... Uh, awesome. A little nervous, but no no real questions there. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the inspiring and entrepreneurial stories of coffee people. I'm glad you're here for the first official episode of Season 7. Honestly, it feels good to be back in the closet, interviewing people and navigating the background noise of the trains and the trucks and the sirens and the crows, and drinking a lot of great coffee. Today, I'm chatting with Becca Ald. She is the founder and head roaster of Lil Baggins Coffee Roasters. We're going to chat about how a pandemic-inspired hobby turned into a full-fledged business, but with a few smoke-filled apartment incidents along the way. So, pour yourself a cup of coffee, pull an espresso, or better yet, snag one from your favorite local coffee roaster, so that you have something to keep you warm as you listen to this chat with the founder and head roaster, Becca Ald of Lil Baggins Coffee Roasters in San Diego, on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. If you wouldn't mind, uh, let's get started by having you uh, say your name and the name of your company and kind of your role there. And uh, if you can, if you can remember, what was your favorite TV show as a kid? Okay. My name is Becca Ald. I am a co-owner and the head roaster of Lil Baggins Coffee Roasters. And my favorite TV show as a kid um, I don't know if I can remember, but the first thing that actually pops into my head is Perfect Strangers. I don't know why. I don't know if that was my favorite, but that's what popped in my head when you said that. <laughs> uh, that's the one with Belky. Yeah, right? Belky Bartokamas. Yep. And Robin that's Williams. Right. Oh, I remember yeah. that show. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to the Roast West Coast uh, Coffee People podcast. I'm, I'm glad you're here, Becca. You mentioned in our little email chat that you, you appreciated that I got the pronunciation on your last name, right? My last name ends in a DT, so I get that weird people always trying to confuse it with something else as well. It's always walled, wold. Yeah. It's never correct. So. <laughs> right. I, I've learned to roll with it, you know, after 40 years, but right. uh, I, I get it. I'm hoping we can start with a little bit of backstory about you um, and and you and coffee specifically. I'm wondering if you had kind of a first memory of coffee or a first experience with coffee that kind of stopped you and made you think, oh, okay, yeah, I like this. Yes. Growing up and even through my early 20s, I really wasn't a coffee drinker. I drank pop or soda, depending on where you're from and what you call it, <laughs> um, and energy drinks and but one one day, uh, it was actually 2009, a friend gave me a Starbucks gift card and not one to waste a an opportunity for something free. 
I go to Starbucks and I was, to be honest, really overwhelmed. I didn't understand the sizes or anything. And I walk in and I got what I call kind of the gateway to to coffee drinking, a vanilla latte. And I was like, wow, this is great. And honestly, it took off from there. I went from drinking those sugary drinks to getting into, you know, more different kinds of coffee and it really enjoying the flavor of coffee. But I guess I needed a little sugar and cream in my coffee in order to really appreciate it at first. <laughs> That's okay. The the and the way people, I think most people get into coffee that way, or drinking coffee yeah. with their parents or grandparents, and you know, coffee with a little sugar and milk—that's just ice cream. You know, there's not right? much of a difference there. It's it's fantastic. It's great. What about before coffee? You mentioned you didn't get into it until later. What were you doing before starting Little Baggins? I was actually a manager of a customer success or account manager team at a mental health company. We had an app that uh, delivered mental health services, on-demand mental health services to students at uh, universities and colleges oh. across uh, United States and Canada. So not the same thing at all. No, I would argue completely that, different. <laughs> that by providing me coffee, you got, you're got you also providing me some mental health relief uh, every day. <laughs> That's really interesting. Uh, you were you were in this entirely different field. You, you obviously enjoy drinking coffee and you're experimenting with coffee, I'm assuming, in your personal time. Did you mm -hmm. get into it as a hobby first, uh, the roasting part of it specifically? Yes. So when I started drinking coffee, it was back in 2009. And I just started going down the rabbit hole of, you know, when I like something, I want to know how it works, the different kinds, the different origins. So I got into how to brew coffee and different grinds. And I was buying all the gadgets and really thought I was like this big coffee snob where I really knew nothing. And I still don't know a lot in the grand scheme of things. So we got, really got into it. Uh, I really liked, you know, again, trying the different types of like French press, pour over, AeroPress, all the, all those things. And actually, it was in 2020. Things were shut down. Me and my boyfriend were really bored and looking for a new hobby to start. And we decided to get a home roaster. We got the Cafe Genie tabletop roaster and just started it as a hobby because we drank so much coffee. We're enjoying it. We're like, why don't we make our own? And it was a bit of a disaster at first. I, at the time, lived in a second floor apartment, no balcony or anything, just windows. And um, we, our first roast we're about three quarters through the roast and our my entire apartment is just full of smoke and fire <laughs> alarms are or not fire. Smoke alarms are going off. So surprised that like none of my neighbors came over. Nobody checked to make sure we are OK. There's smoke billowing <laughs> out of my window. But and needless to say, that first roast was really bad. Like it just had it. I don't even know. The only flavor it had was just bad. <laughs> so <laughs> we did a lot of like research from there, like YouTubing and seeing, you know, how we can manage. And then we kind of had like our own little setup where we were still roasting in the apartment, but it was uh, next to a window that was open. The exhaust fan was facing the screen. Uh, my boyfriend would be holding this cardboard 
uh, flap we called Super Flap 5000. So he'd be waving the cardboard <laughs> frantically, getting the smoke out. So there's still smoke billowing out of my window. Um, but we eventually, you know, the first several roasts were, were still horrible. But we just kept going at it. And I realized I really liked... I really like data and refining things and things like that. So actually roasting, I was like, I didn't realize how much of that goes into roasting, really looking at the roast curve and how you can do those micro changes. So I just really got into that just as a hobby initially um, and was having a lot of fun with it over a couple of years. I have two two kind of responses to what you just said, and one is, and I don't mean to get too personal, but did you and your boyfriend survive the coffee roasting experience? <laughs> we uh, did. Because I've tried to make things with my wife, and it doesn't always go that well. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. We did. He's actually the co-owner of Lil Baggins now. So okay. we're, we're, right. we're, we're good. <laughs> well, congrats to you both. Uh, sorry if I, I stepped over the line there. No, not at all. The second part of it is, is I, you mentioned the data, you didn't realize it. I think there is like a romantic ideal that people have about roasting coffee and they don't see the math and the science of it. <laughs> I was lucky enough to see that before I started. So I knew that I could never do it. <laughs> you know, I talked to people like you at, at what point in this hobby and in 2020 is the beginning of the pandemic. So yeah. things are not the same. The world has changed. Business has changed. At what point did you think, you know, I kind of want to start selling this coffee or I want to turn it into a business. I need to do more than just what I'm doing here in the apartment. Right, right. So really it it came down to, I guess, for I think anybody, like who doesn't want to leave their corporate job? <laughs> I was ready to move on, to be honest. My, my company was great, but I was just ready for a new time, a new chapter in my life. And we really got into the coffee roasting and uh, decided it was it was kind of a now or never moment. We just decided that that would be a good, good move for me. And we decided to go for it because I really enjoyed the roasting process, all that that went into it, uh, especially during the pandemic, more and more people you know, you're drinking coffee at home. I think even now that's spilled over into people realizing they can get really good quality coffee at home. And so we wanted to be a part of that. So we decided to take the leap. Well, and we all bought all these fancy coffee brewing equipment. And we have to justify that right. <laughs> to ourselves and to our spouses. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. What? How did you go about those first? I mean, Brew, the coffee genie is not known for uh, quantity. Right. So how did you get those first coffees out? When did you decide you needed to find a bigger roaster? And how did you end up at the California Roasting Collective? So we actually found the California Roasting Collective. That actually was the push in us starting our company. Um, we were talking about it, but talking about buying. We knew we couldn't sustain a business on the cafe genie. <laughs> um, and so we were looking into different roasters. Okay, we have this roaster. We live in San Diego in a small place. Where would we even store a roaster? You need to have, you know, the right space for it. And my boyfriend actually found the California Roasting Collective. And that is, to be honest, the only way we were able to start. 
we don't currently have a storefront. We're selling online for at-home enjoyment. So we needed a place to store our coffee, to roast our coffee, and to package it. And California Roasting Collective, you know, it's like it appeared out of the sky. <laughs> and we were just like, okay, we found this. Then that's what gave us that push. Okay, we don't really have a really good excuse not to move forward with it. So when we, even before we started selling, I was roasting at the collective, getting used to the bigger machines, bigger batches, and really refining our roasts before we went out to sell. And that was for several months. Um, I started roasting at the collective in March of 2022, and we started selling in October of 2022. Um, so I'd be selling sa- or I'd be sending sample bags out to family members, friends, getting their feedback. They were very nice at first. Oh, it's good. And then I was like, by the time I got to a really good roast, I'm like, why did you say that that roast in April was good? It was <laughs> awful. Like it was so bad. <laughs> Well, they were learning with you. And uh, sometimes you need a little bit of blind support at the beginning of something. Right, uh, right. Going. You left your, your corporate career. That was the intent. I'm, I'm assuming that was followed through with. Mm-hmm. Your boyfriend is a co-owner of this company. We should shout his name out, at least give him some. Yes. Uh, <laughs> his name is Matt Agustinelli. He is uh, actually, he still works full time uh, as an electrical engineer. So that's why he's not able to be here today. No, that's, uh, I'm enjoying talking just to you. That's okay. Well, Matt, thanks for uh, being part of this, uh, even if you're not here today. Was there a moment after you made the decision, like where you thought, oh, what have I done? What are, you know, what are, what are, I think that way all the time. What are the emotions of, of deciding to pursue something before? Had you owned your own business before? It's an entirely different experience. Yes. So it was, you know, initially the emotions were excitement, but there was a lot of fear involved, to be honest. First time business owner, we've read all the statistics or heard about all the statistics, eight out of 10 small businesses fail. So it's a huge risk involved. And so that, that itself was daunting, but I to me, I knew I had the skill set uh, as well as the determination to make this work. And, you know, a couple other moments where it's like, oh, what, where have I done was just going through all the permitting process, <laughs> um, all the paperwork and everything, especially with the state of California, going through that and realizing it takes longer to get certain permits than others. Yeah. So, you know, some things I'd say those were like the big two two things where it was just like, okay, this is a lot, but working through that. Um, so the permitting and everything I worked through in the early months and getting through that though, felt like such a big accomplishment that I'm like, all right, I felt really great and confident after that. Cause I kind of got through those hurdles. Cause everyone would also talk about how hard it was. And it wasn't necessarily hard. It was just work, you know, and work yeah. that most and- people don't want to do. <laughs> Well, it's not the thing that you are setting out to do. You know, getting permits has nothing to do with roasting coffee or working with coffee. It's an entirely different barrier to entry than than, uh, what you were intending. So once you decide, you have a name, Lil Baggins, uh, Mm -hmm. which I immediately associated with Lord of the Rings. You can correct (laughs) me if that's wrong or right. 
And when I'm looking on your website and looking at like your, the coffees that you're selling, they all have kind of very kind of cartoony fun. Like I think the vibe, the vibe of your coffee, your branding is very fun. How did you settle on that name? You know, where did that come from? And kind of that imagery, that comedic imagery that you have. We did want to keep it light. That was our big goal when we were determining our name and our branding like What's your up? coffee light, or do you also focus on light oh, coffee? Oh, no. Or is that just coincidence? <laughs> we do have light roast coffee, um, <laughs> but we wanted to keep it fun. Like our, our branding, everything, we wanted to keep it fun and and just take some seriousness out of, you know, at least the, the messaging there. And we were throwing around different ideas for our name. And to be honest, it was one night after a couple beers, we... The name Lil Baggins just came up and we loved it. Like that's the one that ended up winning out. It just stuck with us. And the funny thing is, is that it's not it's not solely Lord of the Rings intended, but people associate it all the time with Lord of the Rings. You know, everyone's always when we they hear our name, they say, Oh, Lord of the Rings. We're like, Yeah, I guess. And to be honest, I had never even seen Lord of the Rings, <laughs> but, you know, our customers were asking, like, are you going to do, you know, some kind of references and everything? So I actually, we started watching the movies um, just to <laughs> <laughs> to get familiar. So we do have a roast called Second Breakfast, which is actually now my my favorite roast that has kind of an homage to uh, to Lord of the Rings. Yes, an, an homage, something very well within the realm of not infringing on copyright. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to do that. Uh, that's not one that I, you want to step over the line on. Definitely not. Well, it is very fun. Even just looking at your website, there's kind of just a whimsy to it that I appreciate, certainly. And certainly some inside jokes, if you're listening, anyone can listen uh, or can go to littlebagginscoffeeroasters.com or I, be, I believe... Lil Baggins Roasters. Did you have another? Um, it's shortened. Can be lilbaggins.com. Lilbaggins.com. We put an alias in there because when we were initially giving the website out, people's eyes would glaze over when they <laughs> realized they had to write out about 25 characters to get to our website. <laughs> right. Well, you get carpal tunnel. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so... You've got a name. You've decided to start a business. You found the California Roasting Collective. My understanding, uh, I saw in a post recently that you source from Hasea Coffee Source and for Primo's mm-hmm. Coffee, Hasea up in Orange County. Jared Hales is the yep. one of the purveyors there. He's been on our show a bunch of times as a, an expert. How did you go about finding places you trusted to buy coffee from that you felt were doing what you wanted out of the coffee? And what were the kind of the, this is a long question, but what were kind of the the things about them that stood out that you thought these are people I want to partner with? Cause it is a true, truly a partnership when you're buying an organic product. Absolutely. It is our main concern or goal on getting green coffee was high quality. Uh, that's ethically sourced. So we wanted to make sure that, you know, we we're getting good quality beans cause we're still, while we are a lighthearted brand, we're still selling specialty grade uh, coffee beans. We want it to be really good coffee that people are drinking at home, but also from farms that are 
treated fairly and they're treating their workers fairly. Um, so for Primos, that one we actually ran across fairly early, and that was more by happenstance. I think we actually found them, uh, them on Amazon to begin with, and we just started sampling some of their coffee. Um, but now we have a direct uh, connection with them, and that's they source our Nicaraguan coffees, and because they have their own their own farm in Nicaragua, Hacia which I think I pronounce wrong every time. Hasea, I believe it's supposed to be pronounced. I just can't. Jared has told it. me that both are fine, that they even argue amongst themselves in their family. What oh. the name was. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, I think we're okay. I feel better. So Hasea was actually recommended. I was at an educational session at the collective and I had been looking at different distributors. Uh, we had tried out a, a few different ones. And one uh, another small roaster said that they get their coffee from Hasia and they're great. We tried them right after that. And right away, just the personal nature, you know, when first order, it was either Jared or Luke emailed us saying, thank you. They send personal, they sent personal notes in each of our shipments. And they're up in Anaheim, which is about a, uh, hour and a half drive from us. Um, so we're actually able to drive up there. We've, we've actually done some of their classes up there and actually just have driven up and, and done a tasting on new crop that they've come in. So important to us was really that personal relationship with them. Uh, right now, being a smaller roaster, uh, we need to work with an in-between that can go to the farms and really uh, determine uh, what the good quality is. And knowing with Jared and having the conversations with him, you know, I, I did ask because for me, I didn't see like, okay, what are your metrics for determining that this is a good farm to go from? And his response was, he goes there and he looks at the conditions. He's been sourcing, I think for 12 years, he said, 12 plus years. And he knows, you know, he has that close relationship with the farms and he he knows, you know, how they treat their workers. So he makes sure that from anything that's sourced from there is ethically sourced. So right now they're our trusted partner and kind of making sure that our the products that we choose are, you know, a, a fair a fair trade. You mentioned trusted partner and I think that's something that I am as I get older I'm more and more aware of how much trust I put in other human beings accidentally, not even intentionally. I'm not thinking about it consciously, but trusting companies like yours to source their coffee and you're trusting Jared and, and Jared is the one on the ground or even as simple as going to the diner to get you know a breakfast. I'm trusting that somebody there knows what they're doing and making things right. And there's all these little moments of trust throughout the day that I've come to appreciate as being part of a community. You mentioned that you were in a class at the Roasting Collective mm -hmm. and that someone else mentioned to say it to you. How does being part of that community of roasters influence what you're doing or what have you taken from that experience uh, up there? The Collective is in, I believe, San Marcos Vista area mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of different roasters work out of there. Yeah, it's it's a great community. I think just especially starting out, it's great to be around other roasters just simply for that sense of community. 
but I'll be roasting next to uh, people that are just starting out um, to people that have been roasting, you know, for 10 years or so. Um, and every conversation I have, I always, there's always some takeaway to that. Um, something that they're doing that we might be able to try out or, you know, we kind of give and take and, and it's just through conversations, just through casual conversations. And that's something I don't see us having if we didn't have that collective. There was actually a time as well, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in roasting. <laughs> and one, there was one situation that I just felt so grateful for. I has, I was dropping the beans out of the cooling tray into a container, but I forgot to put the, the container underneath the cooling tray. So I had beans going everywhere to cement floor so they were just bouncing and flying like 20 feet and I you know closed the door but I was mortified and there was a roaster very well experienced that I often roast next to but I had never actually at that time I had never actually talked to him and he came over and the first thing he said he's like I've done that so many times (laughs) and it was just so like so great to hear that uh we're not alone and a lot of the mistakes I've made, everyone else has made, you know, that there, you know, there's always somebody there being like, I've been there. And they also, you know, sometimes he'll be like, well, now I keep a container underneath, you know, just in case I forget, you know, the one I'm supposed to fill. Um, and just those little tiny tidbits. So it's it's a good community to have. We're all kind of working, but we all have that time to just have that casual conversation. And I think it also take some of the, I don't know, necessarily competitiveness, but realizes that we're in a community together and we can, you know, we can still coexist as, you know, coffee roasters. So it's good. That's really interesting. There's a, the competitiveness of small business and business generally there are a proliferation of coffee roasters popping up and places like the collective have made it easier for new businesses to start. Right. Because they don't, you, you didn't have the investment of buying, you know, putting out six figures for equipment and there was space and all these other things. Right. At the same time, you know, and as more roasters come into play, then you'd think that that would kind of diffuse, diffuse the number of customers you're still a very small percentage of the coffee drinking public is what I've kind of learned. And so even if you are competing with other craft roasters, there's 97% of the people who are still drinking, uh, you know, not craft coffee, not specialty coffee, that those are your customers. And as a collective, you're working together, you know, hopefully with shows like this one and others to educate people about what you do and say, hey, there's a reason why this is better. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that there isn't a place for other coffee, it's just, this is better. On that note, you mentioned earlier, we, or I mentioned earlier, uh, light roast, keeping things light. What do you see as kind of the focus or the specialty of your, your shop, if there is one? Uh, what are the coffees that you're, that you're offering the community? So we offer a variety. Funny that we, when we first started out, we actually thought we were going to focus primarily on dark roast, though both of us were dark roast drinkers. Like there's not enough dark roast in the craft coffee in- industry and we're we're just going to primarily give the people what they want. And then uh, I 
And I wasn't really a light roast drinker. I would drink a medium roast every once in a while, but not really light roast. I thought it was flat and didn't taste very well. Turns out I just never had a really good light roast. Um, And one of the benefits of roasting at the collective is they brew coffee for the roasters in the morning um, if you're there and you can have some of it. And I had this amazing light roast that just blew my mind. And I, it was like an epiphany moment. I'm like, oh, light roast can actually have a ton of flavor and taste really good. So we offer a variety. We currently have a few medium roasts um, because those, what we find from our consumers is those tend to be the top sellers. And we do have currently only one dark roast uh, that still sells really well and one light roast. But we're looking to expand in 2023. In terms of how we source the coffee, we're looking to, we have some kind of our signature roasts, but we are looking to diversify in 2023. And we really want to hear from our consumers on what they're looking for. So we did send something out on social media asking for consumer feedback, but we're also going, we're working on having a a poll on our website just on what our consumers would like to see, whether it be a type of roast, you know, more light roast, more dark roast, or a specific region, you know, I'd really like to see a Colombian roast on your, on your website, et cetera. So we're kind of in the exploring stage in terms of how we're going to uh, expand our roasts. One thing I did want to mention, though, you mentioned, you know, a lot of people are not craft coffee drinkers at the time. And that's part of our approach is we are in, uh, part of our intent of keeping things fun and light is that we want to attract those, the non, kind of bring more people into the fold of drinking craft coffee. So even in our descriptions of our roast, we keep it pretty simple. We want it to be, you know, I remember, you know, when I first started going to local coffee shops or even going on on craft coffee websites, there was so much information about a roast that I didn't even know why it was there or why it was relevant just because I didn't, I didn't know. And it was somewhat intimidating to me. So I wanted to, we want to keep it pretty simple, you know, if you just want the basics, but then we do have additional details for those people, those that are interested in it, that really want to know, okay, what altitude were these beans growing at? Um, because that does go into the flavor of the roast for people that, that know. Um, so we want to, we want to cater to both audiences. Well, and people... Uh, myself included, can fall in between. Sometimes I really want to know about something. And other times I'm like, I don't care. I can barely open my eyes. Yeah. Just put it in my cup. <laughs> right. So I think there's there's room for us uh, as humans to be in both camps at different times in our, our coffee drinking experience. Absolutely. You've been at this now since you've at least been in the coffee, working with coffee since 2020, but as a business for a relatively short time. Right. What is something you've learned so far that you had to kind of learn? You mentioned your little experience with opening the door and the beans falling over <laughs> But what have you learned about the industry as a whole or about coffee that maybe you weren't expecting or about running the business, which is a different challenge in, its, in itself? I have a couple things about roasting coffee. 
I realized pretty early on that it's a really, it's a continuous learning experience. You're not going to get to this pinnacle that you're like, I know everything about coffee because it's probably going to change. Even the industry now, it looks so much different than it did 10 years ago, even the way that the farms are processing the coffee. So it's constantly growing and changing. And I learned that through my educational sessions that I've been to. There's roasters that have been there for over 10 or been roasting for over 10 years. They're still looking to learn. So it's always, you're always learning and growing, which I think is really exciting because, you know, it's always a new challenge uh, to encounter. So that was a surprise to me. I honestly, I kind of thought it was, it would just be, you know, you kind of figure out how to roast and then you're good. But you can have two roasts from Guatemala and the way that they're processed, what farm they were, they were uh, grown on, it's be a completely different way to roast that bean. I think that's really exciting. Uh, it's definitely not something that will get stagnant. Um, so that was a surprise to me. The other surprise to me or um, about running the business is since we are selling online, we do a lot of shipments. Shipping is, <laughs> it takes up a lot of time. <laughs> it's, um, it's a lot. Like that'll be our first outsourcing is shipping everything. That's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> and it's not, that's, you know, you mentioned the one thing, you know, when you're going and coughing, roasting, you, you know, aren't really going in to do the paperwork. Same thing, like I wasn't really thinking about spending a good majority of my time just getting the, you know, getting the shipping out and the cost of all that. Well, it's a lot of logistics to track as well. And yeah. I think what, what people might forget when you're thinking about a business and making more money than you're spending, the cost of shipping isn't always constant. Right. It changes throughout the year, depending on who you're shipping through. And there are various um, point of sale systems that have relationships with shipping companies where you can get a better deal. And mm -hmm. does, is that a value to you? And so on and so forth. There's so many things that go into to that expense or what the actual cost of a bag of beans is to you as the, the seller. Mm -hmm. And how do you sell enough of those to actually make money is, is something that if I think if people really knew the right answer to before they started, a lot of them probably wouldn't start because <laughs> it would be terrifying. Uh, but, you know, you get better and better and more efficient oh, and more sure. efficient as you go. Yeah. Is there anything else that I didn't cover today or I didn't ask you about that you want people to know about Lil Baggins Coffee or about you and, and uh, your journey? What comes next? Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, we're still, we're still pretty early on. Uh, we're very open to, uh, you know, customer feedback. So, we, um, you know, feel free to reach out to us on social media and our email and our website. We are, as I mentioned, we're putting together a poll tab on our website, what people would like to see from Little Baggins in the future. Because, I mean, ultimately, we are, we're here for the coffee drinkers. So we want to be providing to you what what you want. So we're really, we're really open to feedback and, and love to hear it. Even if people have ideas for funny names for our, our roasts, we're, we're all ears down the road. Uh, what's coming next. 
We are starting a coffee club um, that'll be starting before the end of this month, before the end of January. And we are moving into farmer's markets as well in 2023. So we'll be selling at farmer's markets. And then finally, as a as, um, add to our website, we'll have a Coffee 101 page um, that we also want to have uh, kind of crowd crowd input or customer input on, you know, what are your questions about coffee? And it can go from, we really want to have some really basic questions or basic info to, you know, more extensive if, that, if that's what people people want. But we're really catering to, in terms of that, to the to the people that don't really know a lot about craft coffee and, uh, you know, might be confused as to all these different brew methods and can't I just use a drip coffee maker? And yes, you can. Our coffee tastes really good in a drip coffee maker as well. Well, I will, I would say is I have been looking at a drip coffee maker for my home. Drip coffee makers are not all made the same. So no, true. Uh, when this show comes out, everyone, I'm going to take a couple in the newsletter at RoastWestCoast.com uh, to take a look at is drip coffee makers, but better, better drip coffee makers. That's great. I think the biggest thing that we find with drip coffee makers, and now I'm soapboxing, but is, uh, as I've learned, the temperature of the water doesn't always get hot enough, especially mm-hmm. with some of the lower end ones. And that is such an important component of brewing a good cup of coffee. Becca, I I really appreciate the time you spent with us today. I want to make sure that I know before I go, if you are out on the road, you're driving around, you see a coffee shop, you stop, what do you order for yourself? Often, since I drink a lot of coffee at home, a lot of our coffee, when I go out and I'm stopping at a cafe, I'm often getting what I call a fun drink. So I often go back to that latte or whatever that... I. Try to shop local wherever I can, you know, unless I'm in an area that, you know, doesn't have that. But, you know, San Diego itself, plenty of coffee shops. So I'll just go to the local coffee shop. They have a seasonal drink. I'll, I'll get that and, and try that out. I, I still love the fun, the fun coffee drinks. They're, they're a treat. When I'm going out, I want to have a treat. <laughs> well, Becca, uh, congratulations on, on taking this chance and, and starting a new company. We'll make sure we, we point everyone towards Little Baggins online. Great. I really appreciate your time and, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It's great to, great to be here. Thank you for having the conversation with me. And you did great. I mean, for a first time podcast appearance, <laughs> wonderful. My boyfriend was just like, don't sound like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, to recap, Becca was a late bloomer to coffee. See what I did there? Coffee blooming? Bloomer? Anyway, she didn't start drinking coffee until her late 20s, when someone gave her a Starbucks gift card. She had an entirely different corporate career in the mental health tech field, but when the pandemic hit, she and her boyfriend were looking for a hobby to do at home. Enter the Genie Cafe, a.k.a. the Coffee Genie Tabletop Coffee Bean Roaster. They started roasting near a window in the apartment, which inspired the creation of the Super Flap 5000, or a big piece of cardboard that they used to push smoke out the window. Not exactly high-tech or even a legal operation, but it was fun, and Becca learned that she really loved the preciseness of roasting coffee. 
It was the discovery of the California Roasting Collective, a coffee roasting co-working space in Southern California that inspired her to take the leap, because, if not now, when? Lil Baggins was born. The name and the brand is not specifically a connection to Lord of the Rings, although a lot of people think that. And you may want to check out their second breakfast medium roast. Instead, it's a brand that's meant to be fun. For Becca, leaving a career, starting a new business, these were not challenges to be taken lightly. Since stepping out on that ledge, she has learned a few things. In particular, she is not alone in her mistakes, coffee mistakes or otherwise, and neither are you. Someone else has forgotten to put the container under the dropping coffee beans before. We're always learning and growing. I'll share more about Lil Baggins and some not-from-the-show coffee content in this week's Roast West Coast newsletter, which you can also find on roastwestcoast.com. You'll learn a little bit more about Lil Baggins at lilbaggins.com and at lilbagginscoffee on Instagram. That's Lil, like Lil Wayne, if you're searching. But I'll also include those links in this show's podcast notes and, of course, in the newsletter. You should follow Lil Baggins now, because there's a lot of news coming in the near future, including details about their coffee club, their appearances at farmer's markets, and even coffee education coming via their website. Speaking of coffee education, the big news here at the Roast West Coast headquarters is the launch of the Coffee Smarter podcast. The new show is specifically geared towards listeners who want to make a better cup of coffee at home. The first episodes covered extraction and water, and the rest of Season 1 will cover different types of coffee brewers that you might use at home, starting with the French press. If you've already signed up for the Roast West Coast newsletter on roastwestcoast.com, you'll get Coffee Smarter sent to you on Wednesdays. You'll never miss an episode. You can also find the show wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to follow the show, and if you can, rate and review. Just search for Coffee Smarter. On to some closing business. Later this week, I'll be checking in with Erin Harper. She is the founder of Ascend Roasters and one of our roast industry partners. Ascend Roasters' official grand opening in the Old Cal Coffee location in San Marcos, California, is later this week on January 20th, where, along with the ribbon cutting, there'll be coffee tastings and even a rare appearance by yours truly. I'll be there to talk a little bit more about how to get involved in the craft coffee community. You can find details on ascendroasters.com. This podcast's other coffee industry partners include Cafe La Terre, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Ignite Coffee Company, Marea Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, and Zumbar Coffee and Tea. I couldn't have made it this far without their help, and I'm proud to share the stage with their brands. You can find links to their websites in the podcast notes or right on the front page of RoastWestCoast.com. Thank you to everyone for listening and supporting this show. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this episode has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. Always tip your baristas, and be sure to drink good coffee. Did you know that this podcast is a listener and reader-supported creative effort? It's true. There are a bunch of crazy and cool people who subscribe to the paid version of this newsletter at RoastWestCoast.com. 
If you've been enjoying this episode, or the 130 or so that came before it, please consider subscribing. The podcast is always free to listen to, but the paid subscriptions are how this show grows. And damn if I don't appreciate the support that comes every time a new name shows up on that paid subscriber role. Thank you.